You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Actually, it's the, it's the lead play in our, in our offense. Double tackle. Defensive end. If he's over, if he's back, you drive down the first man who is inside. Pull back and get him. Take the first man outside the offense. No one shows What's up, guys? Welcome into Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. If you want to email the show, you can send a message to Packers Total Access at gmail.com. You can text the show at 865-658-5824. Now, we're joined alongside Mr. Paul Brettel, uh, writer at Packers Wire, and also Dairyland Express. You can also find his YouTube channel, which is absolutely phenomenal right here on YouTube. Paul, how you doing today, buddy? We've got a major delay. I'm excellent, Clayton. Hopefully, I'm coming through somewhat clearly. (laughs) You just truck on through. Oh, nope, we lost him. All right, so Paul drops off. We'll get him back in here in a second. Let's give a a quick shout-out to everybody in the chat. Uh, we got Jeff in the house, Zane in the house. Uh, Let's see who else. We've got Boz in here. I know a lot of people watching the Bucks tonight, obviously. Emilio hanging out in the chat like the creeper that he is. That's what we want, right? Um, Let's see United Bates in here. Good stuff. Good stuff. Cheesehead Murph in the house. And Murph, uh, you should be getting that jersey any day now, big dog. Um, I think they were saying it was supposed to be delivered yesterday, I believe. But you know what that means. If they say it was supposed to be delivered yesterday, give it a couple more days. That's just the way it works. So, um, But we'll try to get Paul back in here in a second. If not, we'll bring the guys in. We were having a little bit of connection issues right there off the bat. Um, But uh, we'll see if we can get it cleaned up for you guys. I was really excited to hear what he had to say about the Vikings. And, you know, we got a lot of injury news today. I'll try to fill in here while Paul tries to get it straightened out. Um, Again, it might be on my end as well. If you guys would just confirm in the chat that you guys can hear me okay, and we'll make sure that uh, that my connection is is good too. But uh, let's see if we got Paul now. Let's see if we're in real time, Paul. We had about a 25-second delay there. 
I figured it was a lot. Hopefully we're uh, doing a lot better right now. But as always, I'm happy to join you, Clayton, to talk Packers, even if things, you know, maybe aren't going the greatest. Well, that's the beautiful thing about our listeners, our viewers. They're used to this. This is such a mediocre show that they don't expect anything <laughs> to go right. Well, I'll promise you that. So uh, with that being said, let's waste no time, man. I know we got some uh, Thursday night football about to kick off. I know the Bucks are tipping off. A lot yes. going on this evening. But uh, just wanted to kind of get your take on on some injuries as well as, uh, you know, the approach against the in, in the game against the Vikings here at Lambeau Field on Sunday. But first things first, what sticks out to you about the injury report? It seems like it's all over the place. One second we think Jair is better. Now it sounds like he was limited or maybe not even participated. I know Jonesy's got a, a, a few uh, a few bumps and bruises there. Sounds like he's kind of sore from the last game. But uh, give us kind of an update on the injuries if you don't mind. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, of course, Lafleur is not going to tip his hand in terms of, you know, what statuses might be the usual. We're going to give them up until game time to see how they're feeling before we make a decision. But personally, looking at this, the uh, Jair Alexander going from already not practicing at all. um, Obviously, that has me concerned. Uh, Packers are going to, you know, if they are without him, they're going to have to rely on Carrington Valentine, who, as we saw last Sunday in Denver, like he he took his lumps going up against a veteran receiver in Cortland Sutton. I believe uh, Russell Wilson had three third down conversions when targeting Carrington Valentine alone in the passing game. And we'll get into it more here once we get to the, you know, specifically the Packers defensive side of the ball. But Man, even without Justin Jefferson, like that's a that's a passing game that's going to give this team fits, you know, especially if they're without Jair Alexander. Uh, on the good news, I feel like Devondre Campbell is trending in the right direction, having been a limited participant both days. Matt Lafleur said that he's looked good while out there. Um, also positive, Devontae Wyatt's been a limited participant. You know, you see a guy carted off in a game, and you you never really know what to expect. So the fact that he was out on the practice field. Christian Watson appears to be a full go and uh Aaron Jones. I mean, I'm not I'm not sure what to expect at this point. Like you said, LaFleur told us that uh he did not practice the first day because of uh just how he uh felt, like he said, uh bumps and bruises, so to speak, in terms of kind of healing coming off that Sunday game in Denver. So I, you know, just kind of how his status has been, I would pencil that in as up in the air at this time. And, and if he can go, hopefully it's in a full capacity, just given the defense, and I know we'll get into that more as well, that they're going to be going up against. Like Having Aaron Jones to lean on in this game is going to be really, really important for this Packers team. Uh, I know there's a lot of names on here. Uh, Preston Smith, there's another one. Uh, he did not practice on Wednesday, or on Thursday, but it was reported that that was for an illness, so hopefully he feels better uh, soon. And then Elton Jenkins has been a limited participant. Would guess that you know he's trending towards playing, given that he played on Sunday and again as practice, even in limited capacity, both days this week. Got it. Yeah, there's just a lot going on. It seems like every week, and uh, you hated to see him have to shut Eric Stokes back down again. And I know that created a firestorm mm-hmm. on Twitter, which it doesn't take much in the Packers uh, on Packers Twitter right now to get a get a little bit, <laughs> a little bit something brewing. But uh, with that being said, offensively, you know, going up against this Vikings defense, obviously, obviously the Vikings are coming off that big win on Monday Night Football against the uh, San Francisco 49ers, and you know, 
I was looking at some of the statistics, and, and it kind of sounds like once Brock Purdy tried to run that quarterback sneak, that's when he really started acting weird and, and not, you know, protecting the football. And, and Paul, really, it reminded me of last year when we played the Dolphins when Tua got his concussion. And it was just like all of a sudden he was throwing the ball to the other team. And it's like, that's not like him. You know, he's usually pretty protective over the football. But um, with that being said, the Vikings still come out with a big win. How do we feel uh, offensively going into this game? Maybe what do you think are some of the keys to the game? Um, just what's the first thing that comes to mind when you think about this Packers offense coming off that tough Denver loss? I'm a little uneasy about this one, and not just specifically because of what we've seen from the Packers offense over the last month, but what does Brian Flores' defense does? So there's two things that they do really, really well, and you know, if if we look at statistically, you know, where they stand in some key categories, you know, third downs, red zone, points per game, like they don't, you know, they don't leap off the page, the stat sheet in that regard. But what he's doing in terms of the poor performance he's getting out of the group that he has to work with is the really impressive part. And this is a super, super aggressive defense. They blitz at the highest rate in the NFL wrote about this over at Packers Wire today. They blitz 56% of the time. Over half their snaps, they're sending someone. And for some context, the next highest rate, I think, is New England at 42%. Like, the the Vikings have over 50 more snaps where they're blitzing compared to the second-place New England Patriots in that category. So there's going to be a ton of pressure coming at Jordan Love. Matt LaFleur said there's sometimes where it looks like a punt rush unit coming at the quarterback with just how uh, Brian Flores stacks that defensive front and who he's sending. So let's just unpack that for a second. You know, Jordan Love against the Blitz this season, he's completing around 53% of his passes when he's under pressure. Uh, that that drops down to 43%. So obviously that's a really critical part of this. The Packers are going to have to rely on the quick passing game. And with that, it's going to counteract a little bit kind of what what we've seen from them in terms of, all right, let me rewind. Early or throughout training camp early on the season, one of the aspects of Jordan Love's game that really impressed me was, and I think I've mentioned this before, but his ability to know when to put, fit the ball in the window, when to push it downfield, when to continue through his progression. Over the last few weeks, offensive line's been shaky. The receivers drop passes, aren't in the right spot, timing's off. I feel like we're seeing a little bit more indecisiveness from him in that regard. And also to put ourselves in Jordan Love's shoes for a second, though that first three games of the season, this offensive line, like they were pretty stout in pass protection. I think it was after the Saints game, he Love said something to the effect of they were in the red zone. He went through all of his progressions, Nobody was open, and he, you know, said afterwards, you know, I was still standing there, like, okay, now what? Because he still <laughs> had all this time in the pocket after going through. So think about as a young quarterback, your internal clock goes from that to literally three days later, Thursday night against the Lions, where you don't have two seconds sometime before there's someone in your face. And so I think that has compounded the issue in terms of that adjustment that he's made. Because I know I wrote about it. Before the season, I think I mentioned it in another article early on in season, like his pocket awareness and ability to know, you know, how to navigate it, when to move, when to feel that pressure was really, really impressive. And that aspect of it, I think, has really been challenged again, just because of the pendulum swing that's taken place from going from all that time that he had to, in some instances, none. And as we look at the Denver game, I mean, they're getting home with four guys, seven guys are in coverage. Like, this is just. There's so much chaos going around Jordan Love right now. And 
you know, for those on Twitter, Kurt Benkert, Kurt Warner. Um, I think J- I haven't watched the uh, quarterback school video yet of Jordan Love, but I think JTO Sullivan had kind of similar comments of, you know, to a degree, he's kind of doing the best with the situation that's around him at the moment. Mm-hmm. So all that to say, the Vikings, they blitz a ton. They're going to get after him. And that indecisiveness, that's where I started down this path going. Um, he's going to have to overcome that. Like he's just going to have to let it rip. And whether his receivers are there where they need to be in the right spot, like they're just going to have to live with those results. He's not going to have the luxury in this game to, you know, move from that, I'm guessing the second progression to the third, given how often they blitz, given how many blitz they'll send given the play of the offensive line unit like there is just going to have to be this let it rip mindset from Jordan Love and that's again that was an emphasis for him early on his career and he's just going to need to get back to that and one of those things where you just kind of you live with the results you know you're you're taking some of the you know control out of the equation I guess for lack of a better term and here's where my guys are supposed to be here's when they're supposed to be there that's where I'm throwing the ball and again you just kind of live with the results from that standpoint the other aspect of what the Vikings defense does that concerns me is they're really, really good about disguising coverages. They use Harrison Smith in that regard really, really well. He will look like he is blitzing you, and then as you're the quarterback, you hit your drop step, and there he is as a deep safety. Uh, they do that with a number of their defenders, and again, for a young quarterback, a young group of pass catchers, that is something that can be uh, very, very challenging and difficult to overcome. And I think back to this comment that Jordan Love had a few weeks ago talking about how unscouted looks, um, disguise coverages, have given the young pass catchers that the Packers have troubles at times. And that's what this Vikings team does. They're going to throw those different looks at you. They're going to disguise coverages. And to a degree, you know, as a, as a young NFL receiver, if, if you haven't seen something, you haven't seen something like you just got to go and do your job the best you can in that situation as, as rough as that sounds, but you know, the, and just kind of live with what takes place. You know, you're just going to figure it out as you go. And if you don't mind, I'm going to parlay this into a slightly different topic. Uh, yeah. Fine. I was talking to Tucker Kraft on Monday and uh, again, this is article version over at Packers wire. And he had mentioned that, in regards to because the Packers are first in the NFL in average points per game in the mm-hmm. second half. Like <laughs> there's something about that third quarter where they just come out swinging. It's like a light switch and they just come out like a totally different team. And when asked about that, he talked about how you get 20, 25 snaps under your belt. You, you know, you get an idea of what the safety rotation is. You get a better feel for how, you know, in his, his case, uh, the the defenders are covering him in coverage. Uh, how, you know, from the offensive line perspective, the receivers, you know, the, the what the interior defensive line is doing. You know, you get the idea. There's just a better feel and a better understanding of what to expect. So he described it as almost feeling like, you know, they just kind of know what to expect to a degree. They're better prepared in that second half. And I know Razul Douglas said the – you know, they can't use youth an excuse and they absolutely cannot. Like at the end of the day, NFL's results based. All that matters is what takes place, what the final score says on Sundays. Matt LaFleur says it all the time. Nobody cares that they're young. Nobody cares that they're dealing with injuries. Everyone is. Right. It's about the product that you put out on Sunday and the level that you can play at. So by no means is that an excuse. Does that not excuse their performance in the first half? Does that not excuse, you know, the lack of adjustments that we've seen early on in the game, the conservative approach? 
And I, again, I do think that's a product of youth. Matt LaFleur, you know, that the Packers, every NFL team, they have that opening script and that first 10 to 15 plays. And uh, LaFleur said in that Broncos game that what they had basically planned for over those two weeks, the Broncos came out, swung the pendulum in the other direction, and they did something completely different. And the floor said, I didn't adjust quick enough, or I didn't adjust like I should have. In that moment, does Matt LaFleur go, hey, I need to make some adjustments? I'm sure he does. But I, again, I wonder, because of the youth and experience, how much that limits him. Right. You know, you have a team, a group of young pass catchers who they're not executing on, on Sundays, the details of the thing that they've practiced all week. And so now in that moment, having them to adjust and depending on what Denver uh, how Denver countered, you know, how much that adjustment is, that could be a lot. Like that's a lot to ask of them. And so th- again, this is me pontificating, but I do wonder how much that enters LaFleur's mind of like, Hey, we just got to ride this out and make the best of that situation. So I went down that path to point out again, the, the inexperience is not an excuse again, results-based business, but it's their reality as well. Like just cause we don't like that doesn't mean we, we ignore it or, doesn't mean it's not a factor in what we're seeing because again, I thought Tucker Kraft's comments was a really, really good perspective for a first year player, someone who's making the transition not only as a rookie, but from the FCS level to the NFL in terms of how it's a, you know, how he feels in that second half compared to what they're experiencing early on when they're getting a feel for everything. Maybe they're getting some different looks that they weren't prepared for second half. They are better prepared. And so I think that's a really, really important context around what we're seeing from this Packers team. Last thing, and I'll be done. The, the, their success in the second half, I do think as well is a bit of a product of the taking the training wheels off to a degree, you know, early on, you're trying to go out, trying to execute your game plan perfectly the Denver game specifically, it was quite conservative. But in the second half, so when you're down two scores, down three scores like they have been, like you got to let it rip a little bit. You got to, we're playing catch up at this point. We got only two quarters left to try to get back in the game and try to win this thing. And so I do wonder as well if there's a little bit more of just kind of, all right, we just got to run more so of what the Lafleur offense is. And it's just creating a few more of those chunk play opportunities, which is, really what they're missing so much in the first half this season. Got it. That's all good stuff. Hey, there were so many thoughts coming to mind as you were uh, rattling all that off. Like, uh, you know, what Tucker Kraft said and talking about adjusting in the second half and kind of coming out and having some success. I think one of the byproducts of that is the fact that the defense you're going up against has obviously had success against you in that first half. So their idea coming out of halftime is, hey, let's keep doing what we're doing, right? Mm-hmm. And you make that adjustment. And talking about Matt maybe not making that adjustment, you know, quick enough because of the youth on the roster, I completely seen that. You know, you mentioned uh, Kurt Warner as well. Kurt Warner, uh, Kurt Ben Kurt, all those guys, all the Kurts breaking down tape. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> when I went back and watched it, I've, I've passed through now four times. And I really, when I watch the game live, Paul, this always happens to me. I'm thinking this is what happened in this game. And then I go back and watch the tape and I'm like, I was so off. It's not even funny because in the heat of the moment, you're just kind of, and of course you got distractions and everything else. But when I went back and watched it, um, I felt like Jordan played pretty good. You Mm -hmm. know, I know, he, he left he left quite a bit out there and especially on that last drive I mean yeah and that's it was so cool to see Kurt Warner mention that that was really important to me that he said outside of two plays on the final drive you know and maybe just a couple early in the game 
I, what I counted was three times he missed checkdowns. Well, I'm sorry. Uh, one time he missed the checkdown on the angle route when he threw the wheel. And then mm-hmm. there on that last drive in the fourth quarter, um, you know, you had Jaden Reed open for a touchdown on a crosser. And then, of course, the Samori Torre play. A couple of different things could have happened. You could have hammered the out. You could have dumped it to AJ, but you also could have led Samori Torre. And that was, to me, seemed a little more mechanical, like he was trying to throw it almost flat-footed rather than really stepping into the throw. And, and it's what we've heard about Jordan, right? And, again, these are the growing pains we talked about. But um, it was really cool breaking down that tape and seeing so many other people break it down and, and everybody kind of coming away with the same mindset. And, again, the argument I had or the, the complaint I had the week before the Denver game was too much sifting. Uh, things were too complex on the offensive line. I wanted to see more 11 personnel. you seen more mm-hmm. 11 personnel, I felt like at least. And then like you said, when you're down in the second half, you start seeing some of those trips looks, and that's really hard to defend. I just wish he would go to it a little sooner, keep things spread out. You know, I talked to Mike Wall uh, last week, and that's exactly what he said. I said, Mike, you're the OC. What do you change here? He said, Try to stay in 11, 11 personnel as much as possible and spread things out a bit, lighten that box a little bit rather than the condense. And, of course, in the game, you've seen him hit Christian Watson for the crosser, and that was out of a condensed set. So it's like, okay, it's hard to argue. It's 11 condensed, but I, I like the way they put Watson on that little wing spot there for sure, the, the, the uh, Z wing. But defensively. How do you see this playing out against Minnesota? You know, uh, I was kind of looking through uh, some of the statistics and just kind of looking at uh, – at the PFF grade for uh, for obviously uh, got Kirk Cousins and playing pretty good, man, playing pretty good mm-hmm. ball. He's he's playing like that guy that always in a contract year is looking to snatch up another franchise tag or a big <laughs> guaranteed contract. But uh, uh, am I wrong there? Do you think Kirk Cousins is playing pretty good ball right now? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the other thing that the Packers have going against them, because a lot of times week to week in the NFL, to not everything, but to a degree, it's like, all right, where are we catching this team at kind of in the midst of wh- where they're playing right now? And the Packers are really catching the Vikings on their rise. Like they're playing their best football of the season right now. And this isn't a Vikings uh, offense that runs the ball a ton or really all that effectively. I believe they're averaging a 3.9 yards per carry as a team. They actually run the ball at the lowest rate in terms of attempts per game in the NFL this season. They want to pass the ball. And even without Justin Jefferson being out there, like this is a, as I alluded to at the beginning, going through the injury report, like this is a Vikings offense like has Jordan Addison, who's, you know, the Fleur's pointed out, as we've all seen, he's developed right away a pretty good rapport with Kirk Cousins. They utilize him in all, all areas of the field. TJ Hawkinson at tight end, he leads or he's second in receiving yards at the position behind only Travis Kelsey. Like even without Justin Jefferson, like there are guys on that team that can really make life difficult for this Packers defense. And for me, one of the big keys to this game for their defense is they have to get after Kirk Cousins. Like someone in addition to Rashawn Gary has to get after him. Because Gary, you know, if you look at the overall numbers for this Packers team, you know, Rashawn Gary is really, really lifting that group up. I'm sure as many know, he's pro football focuses top or has the highest pass rush win rate of any edge rusher. Um, I looked those numbers up this morning for an article. If you combine all the edge rushers, all the interior defenders, in that and utilize that category. The next highest ranked Packer after Gary is Devontae Wyatt. And I believe he's around as he's like 49 or 50. The mm. next after that is Kenny Clark at 130. Then you start getting into the 150s with Wooden and Brooks, the 170s with Preston Smith. And again, that's out of all 
qualified uh, edge rushers and interior defenders. So it is a large sample size. So, you know, Wyatt being in that range that he's in, in the grand scheme of it all, not bad. But overall, as a collective unit, like they are not getting the job done. We saw that in the Denver game. And, you know, in their defense, like when you have a mobile quarterback like a Russell Wilson, you, you got to be, you got to be disciplined. Like you can't just be crashing in and give out the outside. Like they did well. He had the one scramble for like 20 yards, but other than that, like he didn't really have many other opportunities. And at the end of the game, when he tried to take it, Preston Smith was there. So that takes away again, a little bit of the bite from a pass rush perspective, but overall, I mean, we've seen this throughout the course of the season. This isn't something new. This is the inconsistency from the pass rush unit. So they have to get after Kirk Cousins. They have to get him off his spot. Kirk Cousins throwing from a clean pocket this season. I believe the numbers are about 70. He's completing about 75% of his passes. He has the second lowest turnover worthy th- uh, throw rate from a clean pocket in the NFL. Like if they aren't going to get to him in time to get him off his spot, to disrupt his rhythm, you know, he's proven not just this season, but throughout his career that he's really, really good in those situations. I mean, Matt LaFleur and I, uh, was was gushing over him, you know, to a degree the other day and talking about how highly he thinks of him and that he does think he's, you know, consistently been one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. Uh, and again, in those situations, he's really, really good. Even when he's under pressure, his pressure rate uh, is, or excuse me, his completion rate drops to like 54, 55%, which is normal. But even that, that's still like the, I think the fifth highest completion rate in the NFL when under pressure. So <clears throat> even putting him under duress the way he's playing right now, there's not necessarily a guarantee that it's going to end, you know, well for the Packers in that regard, but his completion percentage compared to a clean pocket drops 20%. Obviously for the defense, that's good. He goes from having the second lowest turnover worthy play rate to I think ranking ninth when under pressure in that category. So statistically passion, drive and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. There's going to be some opportunities for the Packers if they can create that pressure and get after him. But if not, again, he has that time. You have Jordan Addison. You have TJ Hawkinson. Uh, if you know if he's available to go out there, you might not have Jair Alexander, who from again from the injury report standpoint is trending in the wrong direction. You're starting Carrington Valentine. You don't have Eric Stokes to lean on. Like this is just going to be setting up to be a really really tough matchup for that secondary. That again, situationally, it's not like they've been, you know, the the best in terms of, uh, you know, being in position to make plays on the ball. They have only four interceptions this season, five takeaways in total. That ranks 28th in the NFL. Matt Lafleur harped on that this week. Of that's one area where they really have to improve. That's a terrific way to not only help yourself, obviously, get off the field, but help your young offense, give them an extra possession. Hopefully, or it should. Uh, help with the field position battle as well. So that's going to be a really important aspect for them. But if, if they don't get pressure, Joe Barry sits, you know, kind of that more passive approach that he tends to do uh, coverage is off. They're sitting in their cover to look like Kirk cousins will happily take whatever's available underneath Addison Hawkinson or yards after the potential guys. Like I just, it's going to be a really tough matchup. Yeah, I'm looking for them to uh, to try to get after Kurt a little bit. And, you know, I, I'm not as worried about their running game. Uh, and although I think Madison is a, is a good running back, I really do. But just kind of looking at the SIS data, seems like the key to this game is going to be, you know, shutting Kurt Cousins down. And and if there's anything that gives us a little bit of hope, Paul, it's thinking back to that, that game last year when we played the Vikings at Lambeau, right? And just hoping mm-hmm. we can, you know, maybe we can come up with something like that again, of course, if they keep kicking the ball out of the end zone, Keyshawn's not going to play a role, right? I mean, they, I have never seen a situation where I was more excited about going into a year of, man, a full year of Keyshawn Nixon returning. They completely neutralize. <laughs> but and, and, uh, when that ball, and when that ball sails out of the end zone and you see Keyshawn Nixon uh, jumping up and down, or, like you can feel his frustration through the yeah. TV screen. He just wants an opportunity. Absolutely. Rightfully so, man. He's he's so dynamic back there. But uh, hopefully they can uh, maybe uh, maybe still a couple of those away uh, this Sunday as well. But, Paul, we really appreciate you letting us steal some of your time. Um, some really, really good numbers there, dude. You're like a uh, – I don't know where you keep all this stuff stored, but you're the best. And we really appreciate you. And, again, guys, you can find him uh, on X, Twitter, whatever you want to call it, at Paul underscore Brettle. And uh, make sure you check out his writing at PackersWire.com as well as uh, Dairyland Express. Paul, thank you so much for your time, buddy. Appreciate it, Clayton. One of my favorite convos every week. Thank you. Absolutely, man. Go Bucks. See you, buddy. (laughs) All right, we'll bring Tim in here now live in Green Bay. Paul uh, got through spitting some knowledge here. Tim, how you doing today, bub? I'm doing good. always love when uh, Paul's on, man. Yeah, the, man. He uh, get the four one one. I see. I see Paul's backgrounds coming together too. I like oh, yeah. his uh, his scheme where with the green and gold and the, yeah. the photos up in the back. So you got a little quarterback out. theme going there. You got Bart Starr to Rogers to to love. I like it, man. I really I love, love it, it, man. 
Um, let's hit the chat real quick. I, I, well, first of all, let me get your take. Is there anything that Paul covered there that you want to hit on, Tim? Anything you want to make a comment on or a, an opinion? Um, I think just uh, what he wrapped up with here, talking about uh, the Vikings and what we need to do defensively. You know, this we're not going to say the word hot. We're not going to say this football team is hot by any means, but they are certainly on the upswing, whereas we're kind of on the kind of on the downswing or kind of plateaued, um, hit a wall, whatever you want to call it. So, um, you know, with with cousins playing good football like he has been and let's be honest, he always has. He's kind of been steady Eddie his whole career. You're going to get, you know, decent quarterback play. Um, You know, he's known to throw picks, too, though, and make mistakes. Um, But I I tell you, we got to get after him. We have got to pressure him and it's got to come from our front. I mean, we can dial up the the nickel uh, blitz and we can, you know, get creative all we want. But if they're looking to throw, you know, our secondary has got to be got to be uh, on point. So we, we need pressure from the front uh, and our linebackers, in my opinion. So um, just like what Paul was saying, man, you know, our defense, you know, we got to step up. This Vikings team is uh, playing well. And, you know, minus uh, Justin Jefferson, uh, they're still going to try and throw the ball down the field. Yeah, and Jordan Addison, you know, he he's he's playing pretty solid for a rookie wide receiver. You guys may remember he was my top receiver in the draft, and and I caught some scrutiny for that. You guys are catching on to the theme. Anytime I mention my opinion, I, I get picked. Shit. <laughs> but uh, he was the one that when I when I went back and built the draft board, I'm like, this is the guy that just seems to make the most sense. The people I trust the most were bragging on the most. He seemed like the most complete receiver, at least in the draft. You know, a lot of people were really excited about Quentin Johnston. You don't hear from them anymore. Right. But uh, it's funny how that happens. But Emilio, I know you're hooked up to the old uh, the old laptop tonight, man. Can you? Yeah. Hear us okay. Yeah, I, I dug it out of the closet. So I figured nice. I could. Hopefully the battery still works and everything on it. Haven't opened it since college, but uh, no, um, like uh, like Tim was saying, like Paul was saying, I, I think this game's big in the trenches. I mean, it's going to be one and loss on the pass rush for sure. Uh, either them coming with the blitz on Jordan Love or us, uh, you know, um, trying to take down Kurt. But this is what we're looking for—a pocket passer. Um, if our pass rush is going to show up today, would be the or Sunday would be the day. Uh, yeah when it's a little cold out, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, we got to get after him. There's no doubt about that. And and I've seen the same thing that Paul's seen before he mentioned it. <clears throat> I was on SIS earlier and checking out some of uh, Kirk Cousins' numbers, and it was like, man, he he performs really well against the Blitz. And then I seen the clean pocket, and I was like, man, he's he must be having a year. I hop over to PFF, sure enough, one of the top-rated uh, top or top-graded uh quarterbacks in the league this year for sure let's go to the chat real quick we got chris in the house says the more i hear and he's he he posted this when paul was talking the more i hear the more it seems goody really screwed love with the supporting roster you know um chris i don't necessarily disagree with you um it's tough because it again the the whole goal this year is to get an evaluation right of jordan love and and i think we're all coming to the realization that there's going to be at least a little bit of doubt in the back of our minds of are we getting a true evaluation, you know, and the mistakes. And and listen, Jordan's making mistakes too. So I don't want I don't at all subscribe to the people that say, Oh, well, Jordan loves great. He's just the team around him is horrible. I don't subscribe to that either. You know, the tape, right. the tape never lies for sure. But uh very good comment there. Jeff in the house says, I think you misspelled Rogers, um, who demanded a bunch of old guys take up snaps so players didn't develop. Um, and then he said the players are all are 
also are uh, constantly injured the past two years. How do players get better when they don't practice or play? That's a very good point. And then Jeff said, I don't believe the, the next guys up should have been a lot better uh, than they have shown. I don't know that I should blame the players for failing or the coaches and trainers, maybe both. I think both. And, you know, what you were saying about Rodgers there, you got to – I'm going to put that back up. You said, uh, you know, uh, Rodgers, who demanded a bunch of old guys take up snaps rather than the young ones developed. Look at Rodgers' perspective, man, you know. Right. He thought he had one, two, maybe three years left. And and it's kind of like what Bakhtiari was hinting at early in the year. It's like, man, I, you know, I want to I want to win a championship, right? And when the when the front office kind of shifts to this youth movement, and like Goody said, I understand what he's saying. You know, you've got you got to let these guys grow together. I got you, but uh, you know, I'm just trying to see it from all perspectives, and and I, I really understand where everybody's coming from. To be honest with you, I know that's not a fun stance to hear because everybody likes the hot take. But um, speaking of hot take. Uh, Budnick in the <laughs> is Jordan Love first ballot Hall of Fame. <laughs> Got it written down now. Let's go screenshot it in case they pull receipts. <laughs> Just want you to know Budnick for that comment. Oh, we're gonna give him some <laughs> right there, buddy. Not, well, nah, hey, look, I can't tell hey, if he's being sarcastic or not, but um, you know what, though, somewhere I mean, out there, somewhere out there, somebody said that about Brett Favre when, when that kid from Mississippi showed up to, to Green Bay and started chucking mm-hmm. balls like it was, you know crunch time in the super bowl and it's day one of otas um right. you know someone probably said hey there's first ballot hall of famer right there and everybody <laughs> probably laughed but uh history uh you know favors the legends and uh so hey who knows maybe we got an accurate prediction there you never know right, right. and I, i'm i'm thinking the person that thought he was a hall of famer emilio was probably one of those uh, one of those fans in atlanta that caught one of those upper deck balls that jerry <laughs> glanville had him throw right <laughs> They were launching those T-shirts at that game, man. You should have seen they—they they ran across the scaffolding and just started huffing those things down. Little parachutes on them and stuff. That's wow. crazy. Wow. But uh, no, going back to your point about um, you know Rodgers and stuff. I mean, that's that's why I like Peyton Manning pick, kick people off of the practice field or you know when they're when they're playing. It's because if a rookie doesn't get it, dude, you got to get out of my way. We gotta we gotta we only have sixty plays in a game. We gotta make him count. Um, you know, and so. I that's what Jordan loves going through, but the whole team's going through it. So it's good. Um, like you said, it's, it's on him too. And I, I think he's taking some of that heat, um, you know, and he's answering those questions in the interviews and everything like that. So um, again, he, I, his poise is good, uh, but again, we got to see something this weekend. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And no better game to come out and really win everybody over. Right. Right. I mean, Traditional game. I mean, cause yeah. we could still be, we could still be two and one. In the division, you know, we—that's the other nice thing. We lost to two AFC teams. Right. Huge. That's not. I mean, that's bad. Right. We lost, but it's not yep. terrible. Right. No, that's yep. that's the best case scenario for losses. You kidding me? I mean, that's a absolutely. That's a great point. Uh, Carly Ray in the chat said, "Did y'all see Adam Sinovich's press conference today? He said Josh Myers is playing the best of his career. How is that possible?" Carly Ray. <laughs> when I heard it, I'm not going to lie. When I heard it, in you know, I see so many fans taking uh, Joe Barry's comment too, where I can't re- even remember what he said, but it was, it was almost like he was Joe. It was about the IR. They he, they basically said something about, uh, um, gosh, what's his name, Justin Jefferson, and he said, "Oh, is he still on IR?" And the reporter said, "Yeah." You, so many fans are like, "This idiot doesn't even know that he's still on IR." I'm going. Y'all, come on, please. Let's, yeah, come on. But then I hear Adam Sinovich's comments that Josh Josh Myers is playing the best of his career. I'm going, this idiot thinks Josh Myers. 
Harris is playing his best. So with that being said, someone else gets to it here. Uh, Adam Block said, uh, these coaches are just messing with the media now, <laughs> but you're generally not supposed to trash players in press conferences. Again, Josh Myers is a good pass-blocking center. The problem is running the ball is important too, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and he just happens to be doo-doo at that right now. I, I, I enjoy them messing with the media, though. You know, I do too. I really and, do. And that's a good time. And like uh, like Elton today in his interview when I was watching it, he was they were asking um, about Danielle Hunter. They go, "How are you going to stop Hunter?" He goes, "Zach Tom." And, and I just started dying. I started absolutely dying. And then Zach Tom, and then they go to interview Zach Tom, and he's like, "Yeah, uh, what? I mean, Elton was probably just messing around, but I mean, I guess I'll take it. Yeah, yeah, uh huh. <laughs> yeah, they're they're definitely together. That's what I do like about this team. It's almost like they've hunkered down now and realize, okay, there's going to be some growing pains. Mm-hmm. Stick together. It seems to be that way. That's what bothered me about Jair's comments. It was just like, come on, dude, shut up. Like. Everybody, you know, lock arms and 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 put, get all the media. Just just forget about what the media is asking and saying. Keep shunning them. Keep pushing them away. And you guys stick together and just get better. Uh, Jeff Schultz said he he knows exactly why the coaches said what they said today. He said I think they've been I think day drinking was to blame. So there you <laughs> go. Probably a, probably a little bit of truth to that. Um, all right, let's do this uh, real quick. I want to hit the injury report just real quick. And then we're going to get into a little bit of PFF talk for this preview coming up with the Vikings. So Jair Alexander, obviously Wednesday, he was limited. Today, he did not participate. All right, Zane Anderson still full participation. Devondre Campbell limited again. And you heard Paul Brettel. Paul Brettel kind of seemed really optimistic about Devondre playing this week. That would be huge. Uh, Elton Jenkins limited. Aaron Jones did not participate Wednesday, but he was limited today. And of course, Matt LaFleur said he just had he was battling some soreness. So hopefully his his carries will get up a little bit in this Vikings game. Luke Musgrave with the ankle did not participate again today. I think it's safe to say he's going to be ruled out for Sunday. It sounds like Tucker Craft is uh, is going to get his opportunity to kind of shine this week, uh, playing tight end. Josh Myers limited participation, so he was back today uh, in a limited fashion where he did not practice yesterday. Yash Nyman, uh, limited participation. Preston Smith did not participate. Now, you heard Paul Brettel say the reason it wasn't listed is because he's been battling an illness, so nothing serious there other than just him trying to get healthy from an illness. Christian Watson, full participation. Devontae Wyatt, limited, which we all talked about that. You know, the fact that he got carted off the field, it's pretty nice that he was even in a position to, uh, to practice, right? So, with that being said, I feel like we're fairly – Healthy. There's probably not going to be Jire, no Jire again, no Musgrave. Uh, when I say fairly healthy, I'm talking about, I mean, considering how many people went down in that game, we very right. well be without three or four more players, right? So, with that being said, let's kind of jump in real quick to the PFF summary, okay? And I wanted to hit on this. Um, there was just some really cool numbers here. Um, when you look at the summary page for this matchup, guys, I want to get your all's take on it. I'll start with you, Tim. Um, as far as power rank overall, they've got Green Bay 20th, uh, Minnesota 14th. The defensive power ranking, uh, PFF has uh, Green Bay at 11th and Minnesota at 21st, so a significantly better defense according to PFF. Their offense, they've got them ranked 28th as opposed to Minnesota being 5th. So it's going to be one of those battles where – we have the better defense. They have the better offense, according to PFF, right? And strength of schedule, they played the fourth hardest schedule so far. We played the 29th hardest. So you got to kind of take that into consideration as well. Now, as far as running the ball, 
Uh, they run the ball only 30% of the time, so they're passing 70% of the time. That's probably how you're going to game plan that. And then their EPA per run is negative 0.17. Ours is actually negative 0.12. So we have ran the ball better than Minnesota, believe it or not. Um, it kind of tells you a little bit about their running game. Their EPA per pass is 0.06. Ours is 0.07. So it's just, I mean, it's dead, dead even there. We just barely – uh, passed them up there with a, uh, a hundredth of a point. So as far as the PFF grades uh, for quarterbacks, like we said, Kirk Cousins, 82.2, Jordan Love, 64.1. And um, when you're talking about uh, passer rating under pressure, Kirk Cousins, 108.1 under pressure, Jordan Love, 47.2. So um, big, big difference there. But Tim, what do you think about that, man? As we rattled off those numbers, what sticks out to you as far as that goes, Bo? Well, I'll tell you, you got my wheels turning here. Um, <laughs> we have a not so great run defense. It's no big secret. So I think the fact that Minnesota doesn't really run primarily might cater to us. However, if we think we're going to just tee off and pass rush all day, we better be ready for, you know, one, 108 to 118 passer rating out of a veteran quarterback that is uh, used to it. Um I mean, we all saw the quarterback on Netflix, you know, like Kirk Cousins is a lot of things, say what you want, but he's not a dude that's rattled. You know, you're not going to hit him and rattle him and throw him off your game. So, um, but we do know that, um, you know, sacks aren't everything, but pressures are and pressures can create uh, a, a mistake or a poor decision in any quarterback. So um, I am excited about that. But then again, knowing this, Minnesota will probably come out and try and run the ball. <laughs> just you know make it a part of their game plan just to screw with us um but yeah you're right Clayton I mean you know defensively we've got the edge offensively they've got the edge so this has the makings of at the very least being a, a great football game for sure mm -hmm. I completely agree and when you look at the betting here Emilio um you know just kind of look at the market right now they are one and a half point favorites um it looks like the uh the tickets are on Minnesota, but the cash is on Green Bay. So against the spread, 91% of the cash is on Green Bay and 54% of the tickets are on Minnesota. All right. Now, as far as the money line here, you've got 78% uh, of the tickets are on Minnesota and 56% of the cash on Green Bay. So the public is definitely leaning Green Bay both on the line and uh, on the uh, on the spread and the money line as well. Um, with that being said, and all the information we've covered here, Emilio, if uh, if you don't have something else going on right there, um, what do you oh, think about that? That's cool. I had the camera closed because I was just getting close trying to read the numbers. <laughs> I was just looking at all the green we had and the injuries too, man. That yeah. that bugs me. Um, yeah. That's tough. Uh, all the green from PFF that we have on is it, just is gone. D Diva Campbell Jones. Yep. Wyatt, Jaws, you know, getting orange, but um, and mm -hmm. and Elton, I don't know why they got him on there. I hope he's still good to play. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, if uh, like you said, that's why they that's why they have the the enough money to buy those little t uh little uh, umbrellas for the drinks because the, they're always on it, you know, down mm -hmm. there with the with the spread and the money line there. Definitely, and Carly Ray says. The public needs needs to needs to stop smoking the giggle bush, the devil's uh -huh. lettuce, right? So uh, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting to watch the line. It's crazy too because the the public has been winning the majority of the time this year, but the last week or two, 
here comes Vegas roaring back, right? And uh, right. all Carly Rae saying, guys, is this. Stay off the <laughs> damn weed. <laughs> all right, let's do this. Let's move on to the next screen grab from PFF, which is let's talk about some matchups. Let's start with our 12 personnel, okay? We're talking about us having the advantage on defense, them having the advantage on offense, right? So you got kind of a an, an off-based offense going up against – uh I guess a weak offense going up against a weak defense, and you got a stronger defense according to PFF. Don't get mad at me, guys. I know y'all hate Joe Perry, but <laughs> according to PFF, uh, a decent defense going up against a decent offense. But when we come out in 12 personnel, this is what it's going to look like, guys. Let me get uh, the uh, the Giggle Bush comment off of the screen here. All right, so their, their safeties look strong here, but keep in mind that Bonham has had uh, very few snaps. If, when I looked it up there, I believe it was him that I looked up, and I'll double-check it here in a second. It seemed like he only had like 30 or 40 snaps. Nonetheless, he's playing good, obviously, with an 85.7. Harrison Smith at a 73.9. You heard Paul talk about he's really good at disguising the defense, right? And, again, this is when we're in 12 personnel. At the linebacker position, they've got Hicks and Pace Jr. Uh, Hicks at an 81.5. Pace Jr. at a 78.7. Now, we were talking about Daniil Hunter and, and trying to block him. I'm one that's that's always felt like Daniil Hunter was a little bit overrated. You know, sometimes these guys get a, a little bit of a high sack number, but they they don't play consistent, consistently, right? And you guys have heard me say, I want someone who's going to pressure the quarterback consistently all the time, right? Rather than I could care less about the sacks, I want someone who's going to play a snap, snap in, snap out, getting pressure on the quarterback. Typically, that leads to more sacks, but not all the time. But Daniil Hunter, 63.9 opposite him. You got, I think it's what, Wanham is how you say it, 62.4 um, on the defensive front, uh, on the front there with the defensive line, 48.4. Our buddy uh, Dean Lowry coming in at. You got Phillips at nose at a 63.8, and then Bullard at a 68.5 out on the edges as far as the. Um, as far as the corners go on the boundary, you've got Murphy Jr. at a 48.6, Evans at a 62.5. This just screams to attack the attack the uh, the boundary. I mean, this this screams out routes, uh, you know, flat out combinations, a little uh, a little flat curl combination, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Attack that boundary, and if you're going to run the ball, let's try to run left. Although when you look at our 12 personnel, you can really see what the problem is here, guys. Horrible play at the tight end position. Of course, Musgrave's not going to be playing this week. When I say horrible, I mean, he's a rookie. Flirting with a 60 PFF grade, in my opinion, isn't all that bad for a rookie. But DeGuara is just – it's still mind-boggling to me that someone didn't – you know, it's its almost like they're caught off guard that he didn't pan out better, and they're refusing to acknowledge it. But a 53.5. Now, when you go to our offensive line from left to right, Rasheed Walker, 57.1. You got Elton Jenkins, 54.6. Josh Myers, who Stinovich said he's having the best season of his career at a 56.3. John Runyon at a 56.9. And then, of course, Zach Tom at a 80.3. He's the ninth best tackle in the league. On the outside, when you're in 12 personnel, you're going to have Romeo Dobbs at a 71.3. Christian Watson at a 60.2. Jordan Love at a 64.1. He's the 24th graded quarterback in the league right now and then of course you got Aaron Jones with not not as many snaps but he's uh just doing Aaron Jones things at a 71.5 Tim what do you think about how that matches up there against 12 personnel Bo? well you know I was thinking like being down a tight end and considering you know our tight end play hasn't been uh very spectacular I'm wondering if we'd get away from 12 personnel but 
you know, I guess I can hold my breath and <laughs> see how long before I pass out. Cause they're probably still going to run a lot of 12 personnel. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, I agree, man. It's, it's, we got to attack to the outside. The middle of the field is going to be, um, you, you can get, pick your spots there, I think against this defense, but dude, Harrison Smith is one of them guys that I've always felt like, you know, that one dude you'd want to steal for your team. Absolutely. Um, especially considering our safety room right now. Um, I just love the way he plays the game. Uh, and yeah, you know, Paul hit it on the head, man. That guy will disguise a blitz um, or disguise disguise a coverage uh, very well. Um, post-snap movement, you know, he can start in the box. And by the time you snap the ball, he's, you know, a few yards away from the, the end zone. So, um, you know, we got to be careful. Uh, but I, I, I would like to see less 12 personnel. I know we keep saying it, but I'm, I'm sure we're going to get it. I'd like to see some 21. Uh, I'd like to see more 11. Um, but you know, we'll see. Yeah. And when I look at it and I haven't looked at the numbers yet, I haven't looked at the sharp analysis or anything, but in my opinion, it felt like there was a little more 11 personnel last week. It just, it got, at times it still felt like 12 because they were putting Christian Watson at that Z wing, although it did tend to work uh, when they had him in at the Z wing, when they weren't trying to go circus play calling, but uh, moving on to 11 personnel, um, really the only thing that changes here is you're going to remove DeGuara and you're going to add in a Jaden Reed at a 66.0. So a significant upgrade there as far. And that's what we're talking about getting your best 11 on the field. And then of course they'll add in their nickel, at a 69.3, so a pretty decent matchup there. Yeah, I like the idea of staying in 11 personnel the majority of the time, but what do you think? Even 12 as well, uh, Emilio, what do you think about uh, how these matchups look right now? Uh, you know, when I was listening to uh, Elton's, he was talking about Dean Lowry over there. They, they said they used to call him the Rhino, and that all he does is just, like, hit you with the bull rush, which had me dying, but uh, – I think we might be able to get a little inside zone going. Um, they're mm-hmm. not great inside, but and then if we can get them to, you know, sort of pinch, their backers are pretty decent. Uh, and like you said, um, Smith out there has just been, you know, steady Eddie um, holding it down. And Love is going to see a bunch of new things. And all all they talk about is watching the tape. Like, how do you how do you prepare for Hunter? Watch the mm-hmm. tape. How do you prepare, you know, for this defense? Oh, watch what watch what they did. Watch the tape. Because that's the only way that these guys have seen anything. They can't go to their memory bank and be like, remember, you know, 2012, week eight, uh, we played the Falcons, da, da, da. They have none of that. And everything they're going to be building off of is this year. Like they talk about, they keep going back, hey, you know, we've had some slot, you know, some slot fades that have worked. Back in the Saints game, we had success with that. They're, they're relying on things like that previously in this season that they can go based off of um, to, to try to build off of. So maybe we try to find when we had success uh, against a blitzing D or something that's... With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply you know, that, that Jordan Love has seen this year um, to try to go off of because they are going to be coming for him. Um, I, and like I said, they are going to – it's everything schemed up specifically for him and this team this week. That's all going to be new. Definitely, and they said that Minnesota blitzes more than any other defense in the league right now, right? And that, and that is that's, – that's Brian Flores. And there were so many people that – as soon as they hired him, I've got a nephew that I don't disown, okay, and he's a Vikings fan. And I've explained why he's a Vikings fan. He had to go through a lot of pancreatic, uh, you know, uh, treatment when he was a, a little kid. Mm-hmm. So he had to travel all the way to Minneapolis to get that treatment. And the players would come in and see the kids in the hospital. So um, I know we like to look at our rivals like they're bad people. <laughs> but, right. um, you know, obviously every team out there doing good things. But with that being said, when they hired Brian Flores, I told him, I said, listen, everybody is saying this defense is going to be horrible, Right. Because they did, they kind of broke, they tore it down or or somewhat rebuilt them. Like, don't count out Brian Flores, don't. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you. And then look what they did to San Francisco on Monday night. And uh, it's going to take a little time, just like it's going to take time for us, for them to put that together. So with that being said, man, if they're going to be blitzing, guys, what that means is you're going to have one-on-one matchups down the field. That's exactly what that means. Now, I'm not saying we should just come out and chuck the ball all over the joint, right? You should try to establish the run exactly what Emilio just showed. Inside zone should be somewhat successful if you don't try to get too cute. And what I want to see is some more of that trips look with a little nub mm-hmm. right, right? I want to see them spread the defense out and attack. If you want to blitz, that's fine. Let's let's go out there, throw you a couple of hots together, and just pick them apart and get them out of that right. blitz and get back to running, right? Um, and again, too, you know, when you're when you're blitzing as much as they are now, granted, he comes from the school of Bill Belichick where they know how to run blitz. Right. But don't be surprised if you see a little outside zone pop off, especially if Aaron Jones gets, you know, 15 carries this mm-hmm. week. Right. 18 carries, something like that. I'd love to see it. So I'm excited to see uh, how it goes. You know, you were talking about Harrison Smith disguising coverages and and what Paul Brettel was saying. You know, it was Aaron Rodgers that said on the McAfee show that Harrison Smith, in his opinion, is the best in the NFL at disguising what he does in the coverage. You know, he'd be down in the A-gap looking like he's mugging the A-gap. Next thing you know, he's playing center field. Right. And, uh, of course, he played at Notre Dame. And like like Tim said, that's one of those players you'd love to steal for your roster. He's also a boxer too, boys. So that's the kind of guy you want mm-hmm. out there. He's just, uh, he's just a tough nose. Uh, he's, he's just a, a good guy. One of those guys that's a hard worker, loves the game of football, very, very intelligent football player, uh, having gone to Notre Dame, obviously. So, um, yeah, it, you know, he uh, something else that Paul Brettel mentioned about this matchup was that uh, he was talking about how Tucker Craft said that it's just it's like they're adjusting in the second half and things are kind of taking off. You know, mm-hmm. um, I want to, I just want to see them come out in that first quarter and jump up early, right? Mm-hmm. Get get a ten point lead. You know, that's what the Patriots had to do to the Bills, which the Bills right now, they're beating the uh, um, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers right now on Thursday Night Football. By the way, go Bills, right? We want every NFC team to lose from here on out, right, uh, that, that aren't named the Packers. But you've seen the Patriots do that. That was their game plan. Let's go up early and just try to play from ahead. And that's exactly what they did. 
And of course, they go out there and they they jump up, you know, by three points. Then they get a touchdown. They go up ten points, and Buffalo is chasing their tail all night long. That's what needs to happen against Minnesota. Now, what would it look like if they score? What's that? Sorry, I was saying, what would it look like if we even scored in the first half? Like, not even even if we even if we didn't get out to a lead, just put up seven points and like be seven and seven and seven. You know, just something. Yeah, bro. If if we go out and score seven points on the opening drive Sunday. Everyone in Packer Nation will be like this. It's my quarterback. There, man. And, and the rule is still the same. We ain't deferring nothing. If we win the toss, take the ball, right? The right. This, like until further notice, there's exactly. no, there is no deferring. <laughs> I, I completely – and you guys know I like to defer. Yeah, completely agree, Tim. I was thinking about that earlier today. I was out on the mower, and I was like – Man, just take the freaking ball from here on out and pray yep. to sweet baby Jesus you can score yep. on that opening drive. <laughs> let's run, just, run the two-minute drill right out of the gate, too. Right. Let's go. Let's go. Right so away. was saying, he was itching in this interview, saying, like, you know, I'm I'm begging for that ball to just come up short. He he he, yeah. he goes, well, I want it to rain. I want it to be cold. That ball's coming to me. Yep. yep. He doesn't care. He's going to take it out of the no, air. He doesn't. You know, oh, yeah. and there's, it drives us nuts sometimes, but I also love that, that he's like, he said that before the season started with the new um, fair catch rules and everything. He was just like, I'm not fair catching anything. <laughs> he's like, I'm not taking touchbacks. Like, uh-huh. yeah. so, now we're, we're out here starting at the 17, the first couple yeah. of weeks. I'm going key, please take a touchback. Did you see that one uh, on Sunday where he, he like almost brought it out from the back, but his heel got down? On the yeah, back? yeah. <laughs> and then he looked at the ref like, how dare you? Yeah, <laughs> this was bad. my one opportunity right oh, here man. because it was right before the half. Hey, look, go ahead yeah. and risk it all, right? Yeah. Um, Chris in, in the chat said, humble brag, Notre Dame, dot, dot, dot. Add a few more dots, man, because that is 100% true. That was a humble brag for my Notre Dame fight. <laughs> um, let's see what else we had here. There was one more thing. Oh, we got to go to the defensive side. Let's do this real quick, then we'll wrap up, guys. 34 base defense. This is how we stack up. Okay, you see this offense, man. They looking strong, strong. Up front, got two of the be- one of the best tackle combinations in all of football. You got Darisaw on the left, 89.3. I know people were making fun of them for, uh, for picking him up. There you see it. 89.3 is the highest graded tackle in the entire National Football League. On the opposite side, you got O'Neill at 80.6. He's the eighth highest uh, at the guard position. Uh, you've got uh, Reisner at 63.3. You got Bradbury at center at 72.6. Boy, I'd love to see our center in the top 10. Like that'd be absolutely lovely. Um, he's the ninth highest graded center. Then you got Ingram at right guard. He's 27th. Okay. Now let's jump out to the tight end position. You got Hawkinson, 70.3. I think if I understood Paul Brettel, this kind of took me off guard a little bit. Hawkinson, I believe he said, has the second amount of either receptions or receiving yards for a tight end in the entire league, only behind Travis Kelsey. So look out for that. Then you've got Oliver on the opposite side at a 76.0. He's actually grading out significantly higher than Hawkinson is. On the outside, you've got Jordan Addison. Um, with a 69.6, he's the 45th best receiver in the league. And then opposite him, you've got Osborne uh, with a 52.5. So really the game plan, as you look at it here, guys, it's going to be – I'm going to say I would like to see them limit the big plays. I know people don't want to hear this. I would like to see them play Ben, but don't break. Make sure you've got eyes on Addison and Hawkinson. And you know what? If you're going to get beat by Osborne, you get beat by Osborne, right? That, I mean, if he if he rises to the occasion, that's fine. We can live with that. It's kind of how I see it. But Kurt Cousins, 
And then, of course, you got Madison, which I, I watched Madison run against 49ers, and I'm like, man, he looks good. And then I seen his PFF grade, and it kind of took me back, right? But uh, they he had some some big holes to run in. They did a lot of stretch plays out of the ace formation. They ran a lot of stretch week is what I noticed. So that might be something to look for on Sunday as well. Now, on the defensive side of the ball for us here, uh, of course, Rasul Douglas – 80.7. He's going to be – you'd like to see him on Addison's side, but, look, you can't control that, especially if you're going to play a quarter's coverage or a quarter-quarter half the majority of the game with some zone match principles. Opposite side, obviously, if he plays Jair Alexander, 63.5. It's so strange seeing him graded so low. But I think we would all agree there's a significant chance he won't even be playing, so that may be Carrington Valentine. Um, and, you're, and you're in a base uh, 34 here. Kenny Clark, 56.9. TJ Slayton, 64.2. Devontae Wyatt, 65.1 if he can go. Rashawn Gary, 88.1, 11th best edge defender in the game right now. Preston Smith having a down year, 62.3. And then at the linebacker position, Quay Walker, 66.4. Isaiah McDuffie, 54.4. Let's hope that Devondre Campbell can go because he's grading out in the 70s if he is fully healthy. That would be a significant upgrade there. Jonathan Owens will be starting in place of Darnell Savage, most likely 55.5. And then Rudy Ford, 74.9, one of the few uh, positive points on this defense right now as far as PFF goes. Tim, what do you think, man? Defensively, what sticks out to you here, man, in the base? Uh, This is a chance for J.O. to show us what he's made of because, you know, he's supposed to be a tackle machine. So – we're going to need it against Hawkinson. Um, I don't know the best approach to take with a guy like him, but uh, I'm with you on the bend, but don't break. Keep everything in front of you. You got to you got to come up and make those tackles, those open field one-on-one tackles. Um, you know, Quay we know is good in coverage uh, in the middle, but yeah, getting Campbell back would be would be huge in this game, um, even if it's just to kind of um, you know lighten the load on McDuffie a little bit in the rotations. Uh, as well as Quay. Uh, maybe you see some Campbell and McDuffie uh, out there as well. I'm not sure um, how much uh, Devondre is going to actually play if he goes. Um, but that's what I see, man. Uh, I'm, I'm wondering if we'll see some more big nickel um, at all, Clayton. Address. Yeah, it's it's definitely possible. Um, when we slide over to the nickel look here, let's see kind of what it, it looks like here. Um, so, obviously, you're going to put Keyshawn Nixon in. Their slot receiver pal is a 67.3. Keyshawn Nixon at a 55.9. I think they're going to be in 11 the majority of the time, seeing that they pass 70% of the time, although uh, the fact that they played from behind early in the season might play a role in, in how skewed those numbers are, much like ours are, because I think we were at, like, less than 40% run, right? And, and last year we were right neck and neck with 50-50. And then amazing – that uh, everybody was complaining we wasn't running the ball more with Aaron Rodgers because he just wanted to play hero ball. And then this year we're passing 70% of the time. <laughs> it's just wild, man, absolutely wild. Um, so you replace the nickel like that. Um, obviously you, uh, you're you going to remove uh, one of the defensive linemen. In this case, it'll probably be Devontae Wyatt and Kenny Clark on the field if Wyatt is healthy. If not, then you may see some uh, some Wooden and some Brooks with a little bit of Slayton sprinkled in in the nickel. Now, what changes on their side, like I said, is just Powell. Um, I don't think it's anything significant there, personally. So uh, what do you think here, Emilio, with the nickel um, against their 11 personnel? What sticks out to you, man? Uh, I think it, I think it's 11 and 12, honestly. That, Like I said in the beginning, the inside, uh, you got Smith at 62. We got Wyatt, if he plays, uh, 65. Clark at a 56-9. 
I would assume that this is probably the best O-line they've gone up against. So they need to show out big. Ian, even if we bring pressure, Cousins is 108 against that. So we need to play a really good game of football on the defensive side of the ball, I believe. Um, And what we really could use is an explosive uh, defensive play. Get us a pick, get us a fumble, you know, strip sack, something like that. Get a spike, um, you know, get the team excited. Yeah. Definitely. And, you know, when you kind of look at it and how this could all play out, everything to me is screaming, just bring four. I mean, he, right. he absolutely carves defenses apart that blitz him, right? Mm-hmm. So why not try to get pressure before, play coverage? And, again, people will go, well, how, do we, how have we matched up against them in the past? Think back last year when we absolutely boat raced them at Lambeau Field, right? right? And I think Kirk Cousins threw a couple picks in that game, which is kind of rare. Mm-hmm. Right. So I know he threw at least one. There may have been two there. But with that being said, that's probably the proper way of playing him. Right. right. Is to make him use every inch of the field and make him, you know, make him go all the way down the field to get a touchdown rather than give up an explosive play. So um, I don't know. Though. We'll see how they approach it. I'm kind of leaning toward what I've seen on tape that I think will show um, a lot of uh, a lot of wide nine looks with our edges to, mm-hmm. to limit that outside stretch run. Maybe play with a little spinner action but turn it into either quarters or cover six um, as the play unfolds post-snap. I think that would be the proper way to play this game. And don't don't let him cut you apart against the blitz. That's just kind of how I see it. So they can still play, they can still play games, you know, tackle and stunts and tackle stunts. They can still play games bringing four. It's not like it, it's not like we can't bring pressure with just four. So and he's not a running quarterback so we got to try to take advantage of that if we can if our if our defense is set up for that let's let's use that to our advantage yeah definitely all right let's wrap up in the chat here guys real quick carly ray said this might be a rookie question carly ray there is no rookie question i'm telling you right now you ever have a question you fire away if we got time we'll hit it if we ain't got the answer we'll find the answer she says um, do you think it would benefit Love to have more plays out of the shotgun in order to protect him from the blitz and let him see what's coming a bit better? Um, I, I understand exactly what you're saying. One thing that you can do to neutralize that blitz too, Carly Ray, is uh, is boot action, right? And I what, I what I'm trying to say is, yes, I agree with you. If you're just going to play a straight-up passing game on those passing downs, I'd rather see him in the gun. He can catch everything coming at him. Also, in the gun, you can have a sidecar one side, your Y on the opposite, and be able to chip a little bit and slow some of that down, right? That'll help as well with some leak action, which leak action should be should be somewhat significant this week. You know, having a tight end or a running back leaking out with them blitzing, just a matter of love buying enough time to get on the ball. Um, but with that being said, I'm cool with the, the play-action boot, right? From under center, what I don't want to see is that blind play action this week. Because right. if they run blitz, the second he turns around, they're going to be on him, right? Um, because the way that run blitz works, especially when you're a blitz-heavy team, it's basically you tackle the ball carrier to the quarterback. You play the ball carrier to the quarterback, meaning if you're faking a handoff, yes, you're going for the running back, but the second you realize the running back hasn't got it, you just continue your path right to the quarterback, right? Um, another thing too, you might be able to screen game a little bit. We're seeing with those PFF grades, it's not a, it's not a very, uh, a very impressive defensive line. Might mm-hmm. be a good game to run some halfback screens. Listen to me, halfback screens, not tight end screens, not yeah. Z screens, halfback screens. Just little slip screens against the blitz. Maybe have a little, a little slant action off the opposite side for another, another route, another uh, option there for love. But yeah, 
Um, now he's got to he's got to throw those without hesitation too. Yes, mm-hmm. you've got to let it go right away and look for a lot of uh, as much as we don't want to see it, but he's going to have to make off platform adjustments. We're going to yeah. ch- changing arm angle, you know these kind of things. I don't care if we get the old shovel, whatever it is. If that pressure is mm-hmm. coming, it's got to get out. And sometimes the best thing is to stare stare right into that pressure. Yeah, and throw right. throw right in that direction on the other side of it. Yeah, so, that's exactly but, what Aaron did so well throwing off platform, especially in the early years. I think the year they won the Super Bowl, he led the league in completion percentage against the blitz. He was praying they would blitz. Right. And nothing devastates a defense more than them knowing they're getting home and it and it doesn't matter. Yep. Like right. I mean, they can they can eat up our offensive line all day if that ball gets out quick, and we're we're getting five and seven mm-hmm. yards here and there. It's you know, it's going to eat away at them. Yeah. And like yeah. you're saying, Tim, like get it out fast because I don't want to see, like Clayton's saying, I don't want to see a jailbreak screen where we're trying to block for half a second and have our entire O-line clear up to the front. We don't need to see that. That That's not what we're seeing. That's not what's going to we'll, help. We'll end up with ineligible downfield yeah. anyway. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and I know who my pick to- would be for that. <laughs> Go ahead. No, 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 you're good. Going back to the play action, I'm pretty – don't quote me. I'm pretty sure Love was nine for nine last game on play action. Like he yeah, was, he was. Yep. So he was hammering them. It, it, we, we can do that. But like Carly was asking, you know, um, that's got that, – that play action's kind of got to be under center, whereas – when you're in shotgun, yeah, you can see the field a little bit more. But if we're selling the run, if if it's working, it, you know, it's kind of just whatever the game flow is, and that's where Matt Lafleur comes into the to the picture and and calls his game. Yeah, it's also where Jordan Jordan needs to work on too on some of those play actions is he's a little quick with the with the ball fake. And yes. if we already don't have a run game and they're barely believing we're going to run to begin with, you really got to sell <laughs> yeah. that. You see that thing way out there. <laughs> yeah. And he's kind of, I think that he's feeling this sense of urgency to kind of go through that motion and then get, get into his throwing motion. Right. Um, and I think once he balances that out and gets a little more comfortable, you know, with the pressure and stuff, I mean, hopefully yeah. that helps, but yeah, either way, that ball has got to come out quick. And that's totally normal for a young quarterback. You can go back and watch Favre, you know, from 92, mm-hmm. 93, 94. By the time we got to 1994, you know, in the early years, especially watch that Bengals game, when he runs a play fake, he he ain't selling nothing. Yep. Now, later on, you see him doing those long, you know, handouts, right, and yep. really showing the open hand. Like you seen Deshaun – if you guys haven't seen that Deshaun Watson play fake that he ran, it was either last week or the week before. Oh, my God, dude. Mm-hmm. He sold it. Off of two, it was unbelievable. And I know he's a hot-button topic. I'm strictly talking football here, right? Um, but, uh, yeah, so Deb Fish in the chat, this is cool. He said, I believe Harrison grew up in Tennessee and wanted to play college ball at Tennessee but got talked into going to Notre Dame. I was living down there during that time, I'm pretty sure. Um, let's see here. Now, I had already moved away, but I'm a big Notre Dame fan, and I didn't know that. I looked it up just now. He went to Knoxville Catholic. I didn't realize that. So really? went to Knoxville Catholic hmm. and chose Notre Dame over Tennessee. That's pretty wild. Because Knoxville Catholic's out in West Knoxville, right? Million, I think. Yeah. yeah. Pretty good, pretty good football team. They came up here and played boom one year. Boy, it was a slaughter. <laughs> Let me tell yeah. you. Let's see what else we got in the chat and we'll uh, we'll get out of here, guys. Adam Block said, I wonder if we'll see another player play nickelback a bit in the upcoming game. I hope so. I mean, it's obviously not working. Um, that's something I would like to see take place. It's just who do you put in there, you know? Yeah. And and like Tim was saying, maybe the answer is big nickel. Pull that nickel out and put another safety in there. Maybe one by the name of 
Anthony Johnson Jr. Yeah, I don't know. Just saying, we we can't wait to see him on the field consistently, right, Tim? Man, I just something about him, man. It was a read I got on him during camp. I just like his energy and his attitude, and uh, you know, he's certainly got the physical traits, but you know, he's raw, man. He's got to develop. So, yeah, love to see him get some reps. Definitely, definitely. This one right here sums it up. Chris N said, "Oh, <laughs> yeah, um, we. Hey, I wanted to see it." I want him out there. I want to see what he can do. Now mm-hmm. he's get a, he gets a whole week of preparation, right? So we're going to get a really, really good look at Jonathan Owens this week. And if it continues, Chris, like you said, the the uh, the puking emoji there, completely agree, my man. Completely agree. If he continues to play like he did last week, then yeah, it's uh, that's over, right? <laughs> but again, this is what we're doing. We're getting we're getting answers this year for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see one last one here. This comes from Doug, a member of the PTA Posse. Rodgers on McAfee discussed it's good for offense to have known tendencies or an, quote, identity as adjustments can still be made to opposing D adjustments. Contrast with Matt LaFleur being more random with play calls. Yeah, um, you know, it's, it's exactly what he said last year. I'm not – I didn't hear him say that today or whenever he said it, but I'm not surprised he said it because that's exactly what he was saying last year. We need to simplify things, man. We just need to – we need to get we need to figure out what we do well and then mm-hmm. start to expand off of it. And uh, again, LaFleur's you know response was um I don't understand what that means. It was just kind of this little backhanded, you know, like what do you mean complicated? But I think what we're saying is when half of the offense is lost in their assignment, probably probably want to tone it back a bit. Mm-hmm. But he's definitely throwing the book at him, man. There's no doubt about that. Um yeah. I'm excited though. We got football at Lambeau Field. I think they're now saying game time is going to be about 40 degrees and cloudy. So it'd be chilly at Lambeau, kind of gloomy, right? That Lambeau weather. Uh, maybe we can uh, awaken the ghosts of uh, of, uh, of Lambeau Field, see if we can come out of there with a dub, because that would be absolutely awesome to knock the Vikings off for sure. Mm-hmm. But let's go around the horn. Tim, parting thoughts, buddy. Uh, more of what you just said, man. It's going to be a beautiful Green Bay fall football day. A uh, beautiful day to win a divisional game. Um, this is this is a big game. This yeah. is a big game for the trajectory of this season. Uh, you know, we thought we felt bad dropping that game to uh, Denver. Man, we we got to get a dub. Yeah, we got to get a dub, and that'll go a long way to uh, you know, kind of riding the ship a little bit here. You got to do you know put put one foot in front of the other. We need to get one win before we can get you know a, a win streak together. So. Um, Still thinking about maybe going to the game, been kind of checking Ooh. out some ticket prices. So yeah, we'll see whatever we can do to keep a couple uh couple less Vikings fans out of out of Lambeau. Um so I hey, might man. be in attendance. Uh otherwise maybe just hit up the tailgates or something. We'll yeah. see. Tim's gonna hop the fence. <laughs> well, if I lived in Green Bay, I, I think that I would probably attend fewer games than you know, than than you know, I, there'd be there'd be more games I wouldn't go to. Then I would attend, but I'd be in that parking lot every game, bro. I'd be out there literally. just just getting the feel for it. You know what I mean? Um, yep. But Mandy's trying to talk me into going this weekend because I know there's a lot of tickets available. She's like, come on, we can get a flight. We can be up there Saturday. I'm going. She She's just trying to convince me to go up there every other week. She loves yeah. it. There. I love it. love it. Of course, we hit the downtown area, and she gets, you know, gets to do what she wants to do, which is, you know, I'm sitting on the bench like this while she's swapping that card. Little little retail <laughs> therapy. Yeah. No, we had a good time. We actually had somebody ask earlier on Twitter what the, the best restaurants in downtown Green Bay were. And uh, I told them, man, the uh, the Walnut Room, 
that's inside of uh, the Northland. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. The Northland hotel. And that's where all the, the old Packers used to stay. Curly Lambeau lived there for a little bit. That was really cool. It just, I, I don't know about you guys, but I'm kind of, especially in the fall, you know, you get into the Halloween spirit and you know, the ghost stories and stuff mm-hmm. that place it kind of had the shining top feel to it, man. I right. love it. It was just like you can just tell there's a lot of history in this building. And sitting in there drinking an old fashioned, having a good steak, that and the Republic Chop House was good too. So um, that's oh, another yeah. one I would recommend. Oh, if yeah. you want to impress your ladies, one of those two will get the job done. <laughs> I promise you. So, we went um, there for our anniversary this year. That a boy, Tim. Yeah, man. Good that a boy. Good stuff. Yeah, good stuff. it's it's awesome for sure. We uh. We always try to break the record for the bill we run up at those places. Yeah. They're looking at us like, y'all are crazy. <laughs> oh, this is funny. I forgot about this. Mandy, I'm surprised she ain't in the comments ratting me out. We'll end it with this. We get up in there and had a little old-fashioned, right? You got to have old-fashioned in Wisconsin. You know, I got me a little bit of whiskey and had a beer with dinner, you know. We're Ubering everywhere all over Green Bay. So we get through eating and we go down to this beautiful little lobby that they have, right? You know, you go down the steps to the main entrance and we sat down there and we caught in the Uber. Next thing I know, Mandy was waking me up. I was was asleep. (laughs) (laughs) She had to drag me to the Uber and it wasn't because I was that sauced. It was just, it was the food too, probably. Sausted from eating. We (laughs) ate so much food, so much food. So anyway. We're out of here. Really appreciate everybody hanging out with us. You guys were awesome in the chat. I want to give a special thanks to uh, Paul Brettel, obviously, for, for sure. dropping in and giving us all kinds of information. Man, he is just – he's awesome, man. He's one of those guys I'm considering a, a close friend now, and it's just uh, – it's so good to be able to talk ball with people like that who's a, a Packer fan. And I'm glad you noticed it too, Tim. It's nice to see his wall coming together as well. Which yeah. Mandy came up here and see the McFarland figure. She got mad. She was like, I tried to class this place up. What you got those over there for? She's <laughs> I'll come in here tomorrow and it'll be completely changed, probably. Yeah. <laughs> but Tim, Emilio, thank y'all so much, man. This was a blast. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, absolutely. We're gonna get out of here again. Thank y'all in the chat. For those of you uh listening on the pod, thank you for making us a part of your day. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world and go pack go. The power sweep. Actually, it's the it's the lead play in our in our offense. You drive down the first man who is inside. Pull back and get him. Take the first man outside the offense. No one shows. Go right by them and feel this side. If the YN has the linebacker taken out, he cuts inside. If the YN has the linebacker in, he comes all the way around. If you look at this play, what we're trying to get is a seal here. And a seal here. And try to run this play in the alley. 